know, this might be a little bit more controversial, um, is that I never wanted to have babies. I wanted to raise people. I feel like I am the steward of these of these souls. Yeah. I don't feel yeah. like they belong to me. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I have to respect them because they're not mine. You know, they I am the person that is responsible for them, but they are they their own people. Right. And so I use that in in guiding how I interact with them and how I respond to them. I'm Charmaine. I'm Katie. And this is Unpacking Ethical. A podcast where we sip our favorite drinks at the moment. And talk about some things. Because there's nothing ethical about upholding the status quo. Let's talk about it. This week on Unpacking Ethical. It's been a while since we've done this, but um, welcome back to another episode of Unpacking Ethical. We are here today with our good friend, Tony Sturdivant. Um, Tony is the author of Positive Racial Identity at Home. Yes, did I say it right? Because sometimes I say positive identity and I have to remember to put the racial identity at home. But you also have some other books that you're working on, correct? Uh, Yes, I have a a book for teachers coming out called I Like Myself. um, That's in the copy editing stage. So Um, Hopefully that'll be out soon. Um, And then I have a project uh, that I'm working on with other Black women that study Black girls um, called Ourselves and Our Work that will be coming out soon. Um, And then a book on developmentally appropriate practice in preschool with a focus on joyful learning and equity. That's amazing. They sound interesting. I'm kind of curious, like who who are your like books geared towards? Um, different audiences. So the positive racial identity at home is geared towards parents. Um, the uh, I like myself is geared towards early childhood practitioners or teachers. Um, ourselves and our work is 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 geared more towards um, higher ed use, like a classroom classroom use. Um, and I also have a textbook that I'm working on, which would be uh, like more undergraduate uh, higher ed classroom use. Um, so um, I my work uh, touches more than one population. So yeah. I try to uh, reach them all. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel that way. <laughs> Yeah, I feel like you do a pretty good job of like reaching everyone. Um, everyone can benefit from this, um, I guess, sort of shift in the way we wait, not only um, do education, but how we just in general interact with our children, especially children that are, you know, black, brown, or even, you know, having to create spaces where they feel affirmed in their um, gender roles and identities or or binary, like all of that, it touches all of that. So I feel like everybody can, can every single person. Um, and that's right. what I love. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all influence children um, in some way or another, whether we have children of our own or not, or whether we're teachers or not, um, you know, children are just in the same society that we're in watching us. Um, and so we all have a role to play in that. And that's one of the 
messages that I really want to get out is that they're always watching and learning. Um, and so we can choose to act in a way that makes them feel affirmed or not. Um, and to just really be cognizant of that, that those little people are always watching us. They are. <laughs> they see like anything, everything. Their interaction, yeah, I was gonna say, if anything, their interactions tell you that they absolutely see everything mm -hmm. and pick up on things that I think we, um, as adults don't always give them credit for, but I'm like, y'all, these, these little people, they know what's happening. <laughs> yes. Which is a lot of pressure sometimes, right? Like when you are navigating um, all sorts of things that maybe they feel the impact of, but don't quite know what's going on. Um, you're trying to conduct yourself in a way that maybe has the most, I guess, positive impact on them and, and how they're going to navigate things as they move forward. But it's difficult. And I think, you know, um, and this just is going to be perfect to just go right into what we're here to talk about is unpacking parenting. Um, and maybe, Tony, you want to comment on what I'm about to say next, um, because I have had to, as a parent, um, kind of really just kind of relieve myself of some of those expectations to appear perfect, um, to be to be unafraid of, you know, breaking down in front of Castle or whatever that might be, just I've just had to like remove that completely and just, you know, when I have a reaction or a response to something that is a little bit more, I guess, extreme than what we you know, normally navigate throughout the day, I try to make space to talk to, to talk with um, him through it and to explain what's happening and to just try to keep that, I guess that dialogue between us open and flowing um, because there's a lot that sometimes I don't even understand, you know, and don't have the language for. And so how do you like, in turn, because I, I think most of us would agree, there was probably a time in our lives where we probably didn't think, whether you're a parent or not, you can't imagine that it, it's okay to just be crying or, you know, sad or suffering or even the good emotions that are very on the opposite end of the spectrum. Like you have to have it together as a parent and that's just untrue. So, you know, how do you kind of like, I guess, have you also gone through that where you've had to kind of remove that from how you see yourself as a parent and how you navigate parenting with your kids? Yeah, I think I wanted to um, always appear strong and like I had it together um, for my children, even though I was failing at it miserably <laughs> because I don't always have it together. Um, but then like when my own mother, when I was reading through her journals and things, I realized that there was so much that I didn't know um, that she didn't share with me that I would have wanted to know. Like I would have wanted to know when she was upset about something and I realized that I in 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 parenting in that way where you have this like wall up um, in front of your children because you want to appear to be a superhero you also are robbing your children of um, authenticity of how you actually feel um, and so I don't feel bad about it anymore um, I don't necessarily go into details uh, mm -hmm. about what I'm upset about. I, you know, I, if it's age appropriate, I will. Right. Um, but I, I explain what's going on with my children because I want them to know me. I, I want mm -hmm. them to feel like they actually know who I am. And then also I want them to 
have permission to feel the way that they feel. I don't want my children to feel like they have to be strong all the time or, or even that um, having a strong emotional response is not strength um, either. Right. Um, so my children see me cry all the time. If they, if I lose my temper, temper of, I explain it. Like if I lose my temper with someone else, <laughs> I yeah. explain why, um, mm -hmm. because I want them to stand up for themselves too. And, um, you know, de demand respect out in, in the world. Um, and I don't, and so I think that they learn to do those things by seeing it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, they learn that it's okay to cry because they see, the adults crying they and so you know my children also come and talk to me a lot more than I talk to my parents about mm -hmm. their emotions and I think that part of that is because they know that I'm human too and you know it's okay to come to mom just really upset and you don't know why because sometimes mom's like that and I talk about it with them um so I think that is it's great for our relationship to just be human right yeah I have like a random, I don't know if it's a random question, but I, as, I mean, I, someone who deal with kids a lot, but I think age appropriate is a term that we hear a lot. How do you determine what is a good question. isn't age appropriate? Yeah. And you know, I almost said developmentally appropriate, but I didn't want to throw in like early childhood jargon, um, <laughs> but, go ahead, go ahead. but I wish I would have. So thanks for asking that. Mm -hmm. I, so I don't actually believe that things are necessarily age appropriate, um, that is based on the individual um, and where they are. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't say that when a kid is three, you can talk about certain things or this or that, like you have to know the kid. Um, right. So there are conversations that I'll have with my eight-year-old that's almost nine. Um, there's conversations that I'll have with my seven-year-old. And sometimes I can say things to my seven-year-old that I wouldn't say to the almost nine-year-old because they're in a different place in different mm -hmm. situations. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that whether it's parenting or um, being an auntie or a teacher or whatever it is, uh, you just have to know who you're talking to. Um, some things are scary to some kids um, and, you know, the, and other kids can act out certain things that give other kids nightmares and um, it's very individualized. It is. I mean, yeah, I, I'm glad you got a chance, an opportunity to talk about that. Cause that's one thing that I think, um, which is why we're here is to unpack is just like most systems and the way they function, it's like one size fits all. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't, you know, I don't subscribe to that anymore, but I know at some point in my life I, I did. Um, and with parenting, I, I, it's definitely not one size fits all. Your children are just individuals that you have to learn and, and, and also respect and also navigate life with as you learn mm -hmm. together, right? Um, but I do think there are often like some like common, I don't know if this is probably redundant, but like at least some kind of core values, I guess, surrounding parenting. Um, even though the style doesn't have to, everybody's style isn't the same. There have to be, I feel like there's some core uh, values that we can all pull from. Um, I don't know if you have any that you wanna share. Um, when I don't know if there's a better way to say core values, but it's the first thing that, that popped in my head. 
Well, I think you already shared one that's important to me, which is respect. So respecting the children, but then also having respect for yourself. Um, Because sometimes I feel like um, in the parenting circles that I'm in, um, and I'm not going to name those circles, but more of like this progressive parenting, there's almost like this, this idea that you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for your children. Um, And I don't subscribe to that. um, And I don't feel bad about it. So like, so there's like one extreme, like, you know, like, you know, like the corporal punishment type parenting that I don't participate in, but I also don't participate in my children being very rude and disrespectful to me. Um, And the way I do it is a little different from like how I was parenting, Mm -hmm. where it's just like, you don't talk to an adult like that, but we have conversations like, I'm respectful to you and I expect that same respect back. Um, And so, and I can say that to them because I am respectful to my children. Um, And a lot of times people are not respectful to their children. And so you can't have that conversation with them because Mm -hmm. then it it becomes, because I said so. And I I stray away from that. Um, And another thing is to foster critical thinkers. Mm -hmm. Um, And that is a a tough part of parenting because it requires you to uh, provide explanations for things. Um, and I, I can say that sometimes I don't like I, there, I can think of a recent time where I say, I I just don't have the energy to explain this to you right now. Right. Um, which I still think is a very different response than because I said so, right. It's still like honoring them, their curiosity and their cognitive development, but also again, like that respect for myself. Like I'm not in a place where I feel like using these extra words right now, I'm just not (laughs) going to do it. But in other um, instances, I, I will do that because I want them to understand the reasoning behind things so that they can reason and make decisions for themselves. Right. Um, And so those are two of my biggest things. Um, and then I think the other, and I don't know, this might be a little bit more controversial, um, is that I never wanted to have babies. I wanted to raise people. Um, and I think that that difference is separates a lot of parenting from um, other parenting where it's like, oh, I really want to have a baby. So I don't feel like I feel like I am the steward of these of these souls. Yeah, don't feel yeah. like they belong to me. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I have to respect them because they are not mine you know, they, I am the person that is responsible for them, but they are they, their own people. Right. And so I use that in, in guiding how I interact with them and how I respond to them. Um, and I, that was a very, that was a different thought than what, how I was raised. Um, right. But I, I truly believe that to be the case that, you know, these are little people that I um, have to have to uh, take care of so that they can live out their own purpose right and not mine and you know they're not going to be able to do that if I damage them so much and you know dehumanize them or whatever because they're smaller than I am or have less power that's really beautiful Tony I hadn't thought about it yet Charmaine you you were going to say something you know I was just thinking about all of that and the 
almost the thought process and unpacking I feel like we would have to do as adults from our own childhoods. And you know, Tony, you talked a lot about, um, you know, kind of stepping away a little bit from how you were raised. So I'm like, I'm curious, like what that process looks like. I mean, I don't have, I don't have kids, but I feel like if, you know, when some come along, there's going to be, have to be some unpacking then. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Um, a lot of it, I mean, I've been in therapy on and off since I was about 16, I think. Um, so some of that, some of that comes in therapy, just, uh, talking about how you felt in certain situations, um, can help with that. And I think also, um, my husband and I, before we had children, I think before we even got married, we talked about, um, how we wanted to parent our children and what we wanted for them. Um, yeah, it was definitely before we got married. And so we sort of had to think about our childhoods and whether, you know, what did we want to keep and what did we want to create um, in our new family? And, and it's also an ongoing process. So I did not have all this figured out and I still don't have it all figured out. Um, it was something that I'm learning each day um, I learned more about myself and my childhood from watching my children and listening to what they have to say um, each day from being with them. And so they teach me just as much as I um, try to teach them. But I do think that for me personally, going to therapy was a, a big push in this direction um, because to break, like to do something different from what you've seen um, requires deep reflection yes. um, that I think that many of us are not capable of doing on our own without someone asking us like the tough mm -hmm. questions. Deep and painful sometimes, right? Yeah, we grew up, cause I think we all, you know, even, you know, even having to the idea of explaining things to your children and not just saying, because I told you so, because we grew up in, I told you so houses where mm -hmm. you don't get an explanation. You just do it. And in society as adults, sometimes that's the case as well. Like we're told to do something and we don't really stop to like, like you said earlier, raising critical thinkers, think about, okay, well, do I really want to do this? And how does this serve me? How does this harm me? How does it serve the people I'm around? Just um, all of that, but just kind of like, I really uh, love that you touched on like learning from them and learning from them and learning about yourself more through that um, process of parenting, guardianship, however you want to phrase it. I like guardian because when you were saying earlier about like just raising people and not, they're not, you're, you don't, own, they don't really belong to you. They're the, their own persons and own individuals and you're just like a guardian there to mm -hmm. you know protect them and help them and guide them in the ways that um that they need it um I've learned that through most of what I've learned through um through parenting I guess is from like Castle's responses to things that really had me go sit with okay why why was I okay speaking this way or saying this thing to this person this is a person but I think in society we we do humanize a lot of groups and children is one that doesn't get as much you know I guess um attention or 
it in some spaces I would say but when it, especially when it comes to like mainstream media or whatever it's you know women are usually kind of like the the big group of people who've suffered the most in terms of dehumanization and then you go into you know the races and black women and but children all throughout you know history have also been just uh dehumanized and we do it today too like mm-hmm. Tony do you ever in in Sharma you have nieces and nephews so there there's and I know you are very like close with them and like your one niece is like you have a niece that's like a teenager at college level now that you kind of help. Okay, yeah, so you kind of helped. There are things that like you do in front of family members or say, do you, or people who come from, I would say a different generation or even our generation that just haven't had the opportunity to unpack it yet. Do you, do you find yourself in situations where you're being criticized? Um, because it's like, that's weird. Why are you just tell them to go to bed or whatever it might be? Do you run into that? Um, I don't, I mean, I guess any criticism I have is like offhand criticism because I think that most people don't feel comfortable telling someone with a PhD in early childhood education that they're doing Ah. something wrong (laughs) when their kids are in early childhood. Mm -hmm. Uh, But people say things like when um, someone said, um, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't just let my kids be themselves. People would say bad things about me or something. And I felt like that was like, kind of like, I think it was after um, one of them had like started face painting and they did like a, a ladybug face on the other one. So the whole face was like red and black, like a ladybug. Um, and, you know, I just let them be, I mean, like they looked in the mirror, they were fine with it. And so I was fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was just like, I posted pictures about it on social media. Like they're, they're doing face painting now. Um, and then like, I did get that feedback. Like I wouldn't, I, I could let my kids just do, be whoever they are. And I mean, and that's just like a weird thing to say to me, like, like, do you hear what you're saying? Like you couldn't let your kids just be whoever they are. <laughs> it was like, I don't let my, they're, they're going to be who they are. Like you either get to know who, who they are or they hide it from them, but they're hide it from you, but they're always going to be who they are anyway. So I would just rather know who my kids are than for them to have to pretend to be someone else for my approval. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and when they were younger, like there was some uh, pushback on like breastfeeding and co-sleeping and these right. things, but um yeah, I didn't really care. I knew what I was doing. I read the research and all that. So it's like, yeah, they're going to be fine. <laughs> and they are. They didn't die. They are, either. right. Sharmon, <laughs> like, did you want to, like, kind of come at this from a different angle, being a very involved auntie? Like, were you, you know, do you have something you want to share? I don't know. I think um, it's... I don't know how to even like express this or talk about it. I think it's it's a really um, interesting time that we live in, I think. Well, you know, it's kind of funny. You can mention like community and stuff before and how natural I think it is for so many people to come at parenting, I think, from a communal aspect. Mm-hmm. But, then, um, but then you have those parents who, I mean, not those parents, I get people in of itself who I think still feel that need to be like part of the community when you're not part of the community. Right. That makes sense. Right. (laughs) 
and I, I'm like, I'm curious about, I think the impact of that are on parenting or if there's like maybe some guidelines or some rules to think, cause you know, everybody, you know, we'd be sitting in restaurants and be like, ooh, the kids are bad, y'all need to. <laughs> or they'd be talking about, you know, we talked about corporal, but it's about, they just need whippings or whatever, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm like, how do you necessarily discern like the community versus like the community that that kid yeah. actually has? Kind of right. Um, I think for me, it's just thinking about how people make my children feel when they're around them. Um, and we talk about that when they spend time with people, um, you know, did, are, are they happy with them or whatever? Because I just, I'm not going to send them, put them in situations where they feel uncomfortable. Um, and so I think that that's part of it. Like, um, and for, in my experience, uh, children are pretty perceptive on mm-hmm. like people's intentions and um, whatever. And mm-hmm. so I use that to guide like who I'm in community with. Um, and I see them, I can see if they look like they're drained from a certain situation or they come to life, then I'm like, okay, well, this is, these are our people. These are who I'll spend more time with. Um, and then, you know, with with it being so individualized, even within chosen community, there's still going to be differences in, in beliefs or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I feel like if, like some people are just, like some people do not like children. Like they might have children of their own and don't like children or whatever. I try not to put my children in spaces with those people because Mm -hmm. no matter what they do, it's always going to be a problem because they just don't like children. Right. Um, right. And, you know, and it doesn't matter how like close in relation we are, whatever is like, that's not a situation that I want to my children be a part of. Um, So that's why I I just kind of look at or to feel it out. How does it feel? Like, are you, you know, are you telling me this and because you actually care about my children and you think that it might be a problem or are you just like trying to be, um, I don't know, play the devil's advocate or something like, I don't, have, I don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> right. But like, if you really think that you're helping, um, then yeah, then you can be a part of our community. Um, but it's always about respect too. Like yeah. you have to respect me and my decisions and respect the children, um, and if if I see that that's not happening, then we just won't yeah. we won't be in community with you, <laughs> right? <sighs> oh man, I yeah, I was thinking about because I've I've mostly had that not with people outside of my. It's mostly like family members, and um, not necessarily like blatantly saying things, but just you know little micro comments or even body language shifts when, you know, like, you know, I know they're going to hear it, but it's fine. I'm already talking about it now, so I just got to say it. (laughs) But um, anyway, my child has a ton of energy and I try to to give him all the space for that. Um, And I address it when it needs to be addressed. Like, hey, do we need to just take a minute to breathe? Like, you know, we're at a restaurant, you know, let's 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 save this for when we're outside because we're gonna go to the playground right after this. And just like some body language, like I like I know what he needs, that kind of stuff. And it just, it just, I'm not at a place yet. And I think 
once I'm more surrounded, when I'm, once I'm surrounded by more people regularly who kind of are, you know, at least vibrating on that same kind of wavelength as I am as a parent, I feel like I'll feel more supported and less insecure when Mm -hmm. it's, you know, especially if it's your own parent that kind of has something to say about it or suggesting or making comments off to the side about something it is very uncomfortable because I you know like you when we're talking about unpacking when you do go through that very sometimes deep reflective and also painful process as a person but also as a person who has this very big responsibility to these other people these children these you know, as you said, humans, um, it's so painful, but when you kind of get past some of those more painful, you feel very proud and accomplished because it's not easy work to do that. And so when you get to that place and then you have other people that you love that are being slightly critical of that, it's, 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 it doesn't feel good. So I guess that's why I brought that question up earlier is because I'm trying to figure out how to, (laughs) <laughs> try to deal with it because it hurts my feelings a lot because I'm like aren't you like aren't you proud of me you know and maybe that's also like wanting to seek that from my own you know whoever it might be family members or even older friends that I've had but you just you feel very proud that you've arrived at this place in this time when you as even having as a black woman who's had to navigate all sorts of things throughout your life having the capacity to be this sort of parent and approach it this way and to have the energy to do that, it feels like a very big and special thing. And so, I don't know, I guess I just would love to be surrounded by, by more people who saw it that way. Cause it does not feel good when it's people you love that are like basically saying, mm, you're not doing that right. Mm-hmm. I, I've had a situation. I, when you were talking, I thought about um, with my mother, um, my kid's hair became an issue because she did my hair every day um, in the morning. And I do not do my kid's hair every day because I know that that tension is not good for their hair. So um, at that time I was doing their hair once a week. um, And she had a problem with that because she felt like they looked unkempt. And, And she said, you know, I did your hair every day. And, and I said, well, you know, I'm not doing that. And I told her why I wasn't doing that. And she said, well, your hair was long and I did your hair every day. And I said, it doesn't matter. I'm not doing that because it's not what's best for their hair. And it doesn't bother me that you can see the texture of their hair. You did my hair every day because you wanted it to look a certain way. And I love how their, their hair texture looks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was sort of a a eye roll type of thing. And then she did come back to me and said, you're right. And you're doing a great job. And so I think that sometimes if you know that the person does care, Mm -hmm. that providing the explanation um, can be helpful. Mm -hmm. I don't explain what I do to people that I know aren't or, you know, it's a waste of time to do it. For. Right. I was right. just like, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. But for that, I, I felt like it was important for her to know, like, I'm not just like abandoning my responsibility of doing my kids hair. I'm right. I, I'm intentionally not combing their hair every day. It, it reminds me of the blue Ivy thing, right? Like everybody was so mm-hmm. upset about blue Ivy's hair. And then now she has like all this hair and then everybody like, well, is a reason why, like, if you pull out your kid's hair because you're constantly trying to hide 
their texture, then it's not going to be healthy. Um, and, and it's just, it's, it's interesting um, because, you know, my mom was, she already had natural hair at this time or whatever, but she's, she still had these, this idea that seeing our texture of hair meant unkempt. And right. I had already left those ideas behind. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did take me like, it's unpacking it for her. Like, why do you, why did you do my hair every day? Um, why was that so important? And for her to, to really see what I was doing. So I did have that moment of like, I am, I'm proud of you that I'm glad that I got, but I don't think I would have gotten it if I hadn't explained it to her. Yeah. I, I, that's, yeah. Sometimes we got to do the little work, especially if you're invested in this relationship. Like that's what you were saying earlier. If it's a relationship that's with, with someone that you actually care about and they care about you, it's worth doing whatever it like the little work that it might be to just to create that safer space and that deeper connection with y'all and that and to also demand that respect because that's part of what you're doing is like you're giving them the the room to kind of express themselves but now you want them to hear you out and then you in turn want them to respect this path that you're taking so mm-hmm. I, um yeah Jermaine you was gonna say something I think I was, but then it flew out my head. So I don't know. <laughs> it's gone <Yeah>. now. <laughs> Sorry, we can talk about hair now. because. <laughs> oh, that's that's what I was talking about. Because okay. a big part of your work, Tony, is with like right, racial identity. Mm-hmm. And so I like that kind of brought me into that. I don't know that I had a question, but I was like, oh, yeah, let's go back to that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, see, one of my, uh, my youngest daughter is uh, tenderheaded. So doing her hair she cries and sobs and screams and whatever now she has locks so we don't have to deal with that anymore but that was also part of it I'm like why am I going to sit here and torture this child when she could just wear her hair like you know and then I think about it like why do we do this like we literally traumatize children because we just weren't comfortable with the texture of their hair yeah. And I'm like, I'm not doing that <laughs> because it was a lot for me. Like I will mm-hmm. also will want to sob because it sounds, it, I, I guess I have never seen anyone that tender headed before um, mm-hmm. to where like literally screaming at the top of her lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm like, I'm not doing this. Like, this is not what it looks like to respect my child, to just right. force them to sit through this because the culture or, I don't, you know, yeah. like I don't, I don't, I'm not doing it. Um, so that was also a a part of it. And, and I do think that it goes back to the beliefs that we have about blackness. You know, a lot of it is just anti-blackness, um, to think that it's more important to, for this hair to be sleek and edges laid than for this child to be happy. And and free. Yeah. Look, I'm like you free in my inner child right now. Cause I'm (laughs) like, I was just, I'm constant. Cause everybody will come into my hair and they're like, you know, you've got all these like nice little curls, but you just need some more definition. I don't want it. I don't want my hair super defined. I don't want to, you know, I'm like, I like my frizz. I like when they're not, you know, perfectly come together. Mm -hmm. So thank you for freeing my inner child. This is an important part of it that I think people don't be thinking about. And this is also why I was so excited to have this particular episode is because I know that just like with your books and just like with your work, Tony, everybody can pull from this conversation. 
you know, and, and a lot of us are having to, which we kind of touched on earlier, but didn't, you know, fully go into details, but we, I think we did um, talk about reparenting ourselves. Like, even if you don't have, you know, children or people or children that you see regularly are involved in their lives, like, we have to do that work on ourselves sometimes. So it just takes like, unpacking, you know, we said that word a lot today. <laughs> Look, <laughs> it is what it is. But in the case of hair, this is a very important conversation specifically for um, Black children and their hair and te various textures. But like I started getting relaxers when I was seven. That's very young. And I, you know, it was just so normal. Um, and I remember that transition because it was a hot comb first mm -hmm. um, because for school pictures and stuff, my hair was always big and all over the place. And I, nobody else's hair looked like that. And I didn't want to look like myself. I wanted to be accepted by everybody else. And so I, and I think sometimes when you, you know, as a parent, maybe that was even my mother's way of like trying to make me feel as comfortable as, as possible going into those spaces. But, mm -hmm. um, like I just was like I want to she was straighten it with the hot comb but then by the time I got to the picture they I don't know why they put pictures at the end of the day <laughs> I'm like can we do this first thing in the morning why is this at three right. <laughs> I've been playing like this is not right <laughs> um but it made me feel because by the time the pictures came back <laughs> sorry it always makes me think of that James Brown <laughs> that James Brown meme where it's like no matter what you ask for it's always gonna look like this that's kind of how <laughs> that's kind of how it was by the time the pictures came out and I just really didn't like it I hated it and so then it was like oh well we can start doing these these perms and relaxers uh, the chemicals I could smell them and it would fry my scalp and and I did from seven until I don't know 2006 so I was 20 or 21 20 when I finally was like I'm not doing this anymore uh and I felt so <laughs> I felt so liberated but then I had I didn't realize that you know people were gonna have things to say about it and you know we've all been through that where it's like what's wrong with your head why you know <laughs> why is it not done yeah, can, can you pull it back a little bit just yeah that a little bit the first <laughs> yeah yeah but, Free, free yourselves and free the children. <laughs> I, um, free the listening. friends. <laughs> Not related to hair, but just like reparenting yourself. I saw some things that I wrote when I was little and I was talking about trees and loving trees. And I love trees right now, but mm -hmm. I didn't realize that as early as I could write, I was already talking about how much I love trees. Um, and like when I feel really down, I just want to go to the forest. Mm -hmm. And I think about like myself as a child, like, like maybe that's what I was yearning for then. Like, why was I writing poems and songs and all this about trees? Mm -hmm. um, and now I know that like that helps me uh, when I'm feeling depressed or whatever. And so like, I think about like, was that it must have been what I was trying to do. Like I must have been trying to soothe myself as a child by like being in trees because, you know, I'm still the same person now. Um, and so I think about that whenever I am able to like get away and, and go to the woods or the forest or whatever that I'm like feeding that urge that I had as early, at least as early as six. Right. Um, 
because I was talking about it all the time. And my parents uh, would talk about a song I made up when I was like three or four about the trees. And I'm like, somebody should have just kept me in the forest. Then. Like if I was just <laughs> always talking about trees, <laughs> but I think they just thought it was cute, but they didn't really understand. You sent in a message. You were <laughs> right. It's like, I need to be in some trees right now. <laughs> Um, and so I, I, as, as a mother, I think about that too, with my children, like, what are the things that they are yearning for? And that's part of why mm -hmm. I let them just do stuff um, mm -hmm. that people just don't necessarily, wouldn't necessarily let their kids do, because I don't know how important this is for them. Mm -hmm. You know, like things can seem insignificant to me from my place. Mm -hmm. But for them, this could be the whole world. And I'm sure that people did not understand how important trees were to, <laughs> for me back then. Um, and so I kind of take that with me is like, this might be the most important thing to them in the world. And so yeah. why, what's the reason to not embrace it or to um, nurture that love for whatever it is? Um, mm -hmm. So I try to think about that. I love that. And now this is a good time to, we can start with you, Sherman, and also to our viewers and listeners. Think about what that is for you. Like if you could tap into an early memory or something that you connected with that made you feel at home, um, what is that thing? Okay, I'm gonna have to come last because <laughs> <laughs> you, gotta, you got some thinking to do. <laughs> hmm. That's so good that you brought that up though. I think I put the pieces together recently too that I needed to be near water. Um, when I was younger, whenever we would go to like even the lake or if it was a river, just any body of water and moving water specifically, not just still. Like I like, I felt more comforted by moving water. And I think that was, that was my thing. And then movement in general, like just flowing um, when I'm dancing, it feels like water sometimes I don't know if that makes sense but that's the only way I can explain it mm -hmm. it makes sense yeah uh, so okay I'm I feel like it's kind of weird because it's not necessarily elemental but it's it's really just people I think you know I grew up um in a military family we're constantly mm -hmm. moving going around the world meeting new things and I think just that idea of learning about new people and new cultures and experiencing that with them has always been super important to me. And it's something I'm constantly having to remind myself to come back to because I am also very highly empathic. And so people can be a lot for me sometimes. <laughs> so, but it's always um, remembering them. And then I guess sometimes choosing people carefully or just choosing, I, I guess recognizing things within myself when I can and can't handle certain things. Um, because I, I am a very much a people person. I, I need that and people's energy and just who they are and experiencing them and all that they are is super important to me. And I think is always what, um, kind of livens me up and energizes me. Mm -hmm. I like that you said that. Me too. And that made me think about like the children, a lot of teachers are talking about like, uh, like that teach kindergarten or first grade are talking about how the kids, you know, pandemic kids haven't had much socialization and how that's impacting things in the classroom. And so I'm, I'm introverted. So I, this 
has not impacted me at all. <laughs> if anything, I'm You're like, in a better place. Like, than I <laughs> yeah. But uh, but thinking about like how we when we wanted social interaction, we kind of created the space to do that. But how children wouldn't necessarily be able to do that. Um, you know, a child that was a people person or very extroverted could potentially be very miserable right now with no way to figure out what to do or maybe not right now but before um and so you know just thinking about like what can we do in our power to to help the people that do not have as much power in our society like they can't arrange a zoom call or whatever (laughs) right you know but that need would still be there for some of the children yeah I these two things that y'all have said makes me think of a couple things. Tony, when you talked about earlier um, how perceptive um, children can be, and then Sharman, you just mentioned like wanting, like getting energy from socializing and building relationships and getting to know people. Um, I love that, but Castle's sort of that, I think because they're, they haven't been like, young children mostly haven't been so like weighed down by all of these messages and way things should be that they're very connected and just feel very like highly conscious, even though they may not, I don't know if that's the right term, but they just, they just be knowing stuff, right? He like seeing how he reacts has helped me learn how to create protections around myself when I'm going to be socializing, maybe in settings that are not necessarily unfamiliar, but I'm just not sure about the sorts of energies that are going to be passing through. Um, I've learned how to do that through him, you know, just kind of what you were, you kind of mentioned this earlier, like when you were talking about having a community with people and seeing how your children might respond just very naturally to certain people. And so when you pay attention to that, you realize that you could also just be applying that to yourself. Like I can still socialize and, and be, more recently I've had a struggle with it but just in general I can you know go places and my anxiety doesn't have to be as high about what I'm walking into because I'm so so very sensitive and so at times very delicate so I'm very nervous about what's going to impact me because I feel it all but I've learned how to create these force fields I guess and I don't always get it right but sometimes I feel like Um, But I just wanted to kind of tie those two things that y'all said back together, especially with people watching and listening and thinking about what that what that looks like for them and then just also reinforcing the message of, you know, this relationship with children is also like a sort of uh, reciprocity and you know we're learning from them and they're learning from us and we're giving and they're giving what they can give and so um, I like that we are able to discuss and shape it in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this has been a really good conversation. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Tony, can you can you tell the people where they can find you and find more about you? Yes. Yeah, so, um, my website is tonytilnihd.com, and it, there's links to my social on there, but. Um, on Facebook and Instagram, I am positive.identity.teacher. On um, Twitter, I am Tony PhD, I believe. <laughs> Not know my Twitter we'll, handle. We'll find but it. But if, we'll if, if you search for Tony Sturdivant, I will come up. Or if you just go to my website, there's a link. So 
there's that. But um, I always tell people I am not an influencer, so I don't regularly post things and I'm not trying to like get into the algorithm or whatever. That's just not my, my focus. But mm-hmm. I do post things that I see that are interesting to the various audiences that I try to reach. So um, yeah, follow me. And we'll plug that those details in too. Yeah, definitely. And your book, is that out and available for people to purchase? The mentioned it. Positive Racial Identity at Home is available to purchase um, and you can get it on my website. Okay. Um, or you can link to it through my website. Um, I asked, you might be able to find it at another place, but I would prefer people to do it, get it through my website um, for various reasons. Um, and the other ones um, are not available yet, but I will share when they're available on all of the places. Awesome. Thank you for coming, Tony. Uh, we, I'm just so grateful to know you and to have a friendship with you. And I always love hearing you speak and share. And um, Positive Racial Identity at Home is a fantastic guide um, that I think like everyone could pick up and like learn from it. So thank you for stopping in. Sharmaan, you didn't share what you were drinking. We didn't do that this oh, time. Remember, oh. we were supposed you know, to do that. Oh, yeah, we were supposed to. But you know what? You know what? Okay, let me tell you what I'm drinking, though. I'm drinking some red ginseng because I felt like crap last week <laughs> and I have I didn't have a lot with me when I was at my parents so I've come home this has been like my little medicinal balm ever since I lived in Korea um, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm drinking is some red ginseng because I'm just trying to like get this immune system back up yeah I hear you Tony you got anything by you right now um not right now but I had <laughs> CBD infused uh mm. Um, hibiscus uh, tea Ooh, this morning. That sounds good. That does sound good. Where'd you get that? <laughs> uh, CBD shop. <laughs> okay. I'm going to be hunting them all down, I guess. <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I don't even want to go now because my drinks are boring. <laughs> no, I just had, I had a ginger mint tea and then I also, I'm not going to share the brand because we're not doing that. And I don't know how I feel about it, but it's a sort of a chocolate, like almond milk, cacao, dates, maca, and some prebiotics, um, chocolate shake thing that I picked up. I wanted to see what it was like. So I've been going back and forth. I don't know which one I need more. So I just been... <laughs> but thank you again. Um, this was great. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Hey y'all, thanks for listening and or watching. Unpacking Ethical is an independent video podcast hosted by the Ethical Network of San Antonio. Your co-hosts are Sharmaan Webby and Katie, and we thank you for tuning in. Please follow us on Instagram and our YouTube channel, and hey, leave a review wherever you're listening.